G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. And as we delve into this week's topic, a reminder that some of the content may be of a sensitive nature. Now, here's your hosts, Tim and Dez. All right, well, welcome to this week's Momentum. All around Australia, you're tuned in with Tim and Dez, and it is Momentum, a men's ministry by men for men. And, you know, we're here to help you just do that life that little bit better, whatever that looks like for you. And, of course, that covers a variety of things. And, look, we've got a whole bunch of stuff on our website, MomentumAustralia.org. MomentumAustralia.org. You can have a look around the website a bit later. There's uh, feedback, questions, videos, stuff that will help you on your journey, and, of course, uh, previous shows as well. And maybe you'd like to financially support Momentum as well. That would be awesome, MomentumAustralia.org. But my good friend and co-host, Des. Is with us once again, Mr. Kennedy. How are you this Mr. week? Mr. Kennedy, wow. Well, I get a full title today, man. I'm great. I'm great. I just love that we're blessed to do this show. And and we know that men are listening to it in all sorts of different situations and, and you know, situations internally as well as externally. And I just want to mention our care line. So through our friends at Caroline Connections, we have an amazing, easy to remember number, which is 1-800-000-MEN. That's one 800 and you can reach out to that care line seven days a week between 9 a.m. and 11 p.m. And uh, they're a great bunch of people who are trained to listen, to care for you. So please be, feel happy to reach out to them. So, Tim, how are you today? Yeah, man, I'm good. I'm good. I, I, you know, I love, I love the fact that we've got this opportunity for men. And the truth is we all need a confidential conversation at times. And some of that might be about what's happening in our private life. And, you know, we've talked about pornography several times on the show days as it is one of the key areas that men can struggle with. And it's also one of the key areas that perhaps the church really struggles to actually talk about. That's true, you know, and statistics show that pornography use and addiction, sadly, affects so many men of faith who are, you know, go to church, you know, every week and still it impacts them. You know, up until now on Momentum, and you've probably listened to some of the backstories and shows, if you haven't, encourage you to do that later. But, you know, we've only really discussed some of the effects and struggles that adult men have with pornography. But this week... We're going to do something a little different. We're going to take a look at how pornography is actually affecting the youth around Australia. We're talking to Youth for Christ, an amazing organization that's launched a new course for students, school students, um, and bringing awareness to and educating them on the dangers and impact on their lives of pornography. The course is called What's Normal, and joining us this week is the director of What's Normal from Youth for Christ. His name is Paul Bedwell. Welcome to Momentum, Paul. Great to have you here, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Des. It's good to uh, be here, and you probably uh, might be aware that the, one of the founding leaders of Youth for Christ globally was none other than Billy Graham. So yeah. it's the we are part of the longest running international Christian youth organisation in the world, which is uh, a huge privilege. And also, uh, you know, at a time like this, the gospel going forth, it's a pretty exciting thing to be a part of. Yeah. It's an incredible legacy, isn't it, really, when you think about um, what, what he left us and, and how you guys get to 
to carry the baton now for the next generation, which is awesome. And we are super thrilled because, I mean, we've talked with Cindy Bagavi, who's the head of Youth for Christ, of course, a couple of times on the show. And, um, you know, we love what she has to say, but we're super excited that you guys are launching this course. Before we get into the details of that, well, let's just talk about you for a tick because you've had your own story with addiction in the background and, uh, you know, it'd be great for people to, I suppose, to hear a bit more about you and kind of put it into context as to how you ended up with Youth for Christ. So tell us a bit about your backstory, Paul. Absolutely love to. Uh, Tim, I'm I'm the luckiest man alive or the most blessed uh, as I see it. <laughs> Paul, the Apostle Paul called himself the chief of sinners, but I feel like I have just experienced God's grace in such a real way. I um, I grew up in a very, very normal middle-class Aussie home and uh, like most young Aussies, played a lot of sport and uh, I was pretty studious and studied pretty well. And uh, But by the time I was about 10, I got sent to a shrink psychologist because I had um, I developed this anxiety issue even at, at that young age and did some testing and they found out that I was bright, so they moved me forward a year in school but uh, diagnosed this anxiety thing that that went on for the next the next couple of decades to be honest i um I got on with life despite you know after this diagnosis and just played sport and studied and you know pretty normal Aussie upbringing I wasn't in church although I had a I believed in God I, I there's never really been a time when I didn't believe or know that God was real um but I just had no no foundation in the word of God no no real church foundation and uh, by the time I finished school, I got into medical science at the University of Sydney and then ultimately into uh, the medicine and surgery degree. Uh, but the whole time, my anxiety was just progressively bubbling along, getting worse. I'd have like good days, good times. It wasn't always bad. Uh, but at crunch time in the evenings and, and in other moments, I'd, I'd have a lot of uh discomfort with the anxiety. So tell us how that played out in your life. I mean, it, I mean, saying to somebody they've got anxiety, what does it actually mean? What does it look like for you? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. It was um, the best way I can describe it. So I, it would be like, uh, you, let's say you had this huge job interview, like the dream job and you want to get there and you want to nail it and uh, you're on the way there and then your car breaks down and you're like already 15 minutes late. You know, and you would have this feeling, this this thing go, go on biologically, physically in your body. Um, the way I would describe it is you have that experience, that physical experience, but there's no job interview. There's nothing causing it. It's just there. Uh, and so it's a very, it was awful. I, I described it as sort of like a living hell. Um, but I was familiar with it because it had been there since childhood and I knew something wasn't right. But I didn't know what – I didn't have language around it. All I had was the language of the different diagno- diagnostic labels. And uh, for me, it, it's just a God story. Um, I went through – I finished medicine. I was working as a doctor, and it just kept getting worse. And the whole time, I tried basically everything that the world can offer. You know, you can imagine as a doctor, you get to get an inside look into the latest and greatest therapies – I tried it all. I tried every kind of therapy, a lot of different types of antidepressant medicines, anti-anxiety medicines, and for me, none of that really worked. I might get reprieved for a little bit, feel comfortable for a few days, 
even sometimes the label itself would bring a degree of comfort. Okay, now I know what's wrong with me, but it never brought any lasting freedom, any lasting change. And, And ultimately, what happened for me is at the end of my rope, I just decided to self-medicate with drugs and alcohol because the story I was telling myself was a good one. Nothing else has worked. This anxiety is so bad. Why wouldn't I go self-medicate? And I'm sure you can imagine um, drug and alcohol self-medication isn't helpful. (laughs) (laughs) I guess if you take normal medication, you know what the limits are. They say take two of these tablets in the morning or whatever it looks like. Whereas with drugs and alcohol, you can go, just just go for it. That's it. And so I I spiraled out of control very quickly and, uh, you know, found myself after a few painful years, found myself in a rehab thinking, how did I get here? You know, I'm meant to be helping people. And, um, and of course, in a moment of desperation, like many people share, um, without any hope in anything else, because I've tried it all and nothing's worked, I cry out to God, the God of my childhood, and I say, God, help me. And, um, you know, I don't get instantly zapped and everything's all better. You know, God took me on a process and it took years and there was – other people involved. I'm not anti-therapy. I'm not, you know, I think that there's a place for that. Uh, but what happened for me was very shortly after praying that prayer, not everything being fixed, but something shifted significantly. I began to develop hope on the inside. There actually was a, a way out. And it was very simple hope. It came like this. Oh, my goodness. God's real. Yeah. You know, when you realize that God's actually real, that God, the God who made everything is is then, if he's real, then he's capable. And if he's capable to help me, oh, my goodness, I have to know who this God is. And for me, that was a, yeah, that was a uh, a road to Damascus time. I went from hopeless and despairing to just a radical, born-again, Jesus freak, Christian. I, <laughs> Man, you give me goosebumps when you tell that story. It's amazing. Yeah. It's great. It's the grace of God. I, yeah. You know, I did everything possible to avoid that. I was arrogant, thought I had the way, thought I had a justification for all my sinful behavior, all of it, and God met me with mercy. It's a cool story, man. Thank you for sharing, uh, and thank you for being vulnerable and honest and transparent with us about about the journey because, I mean, the truth is, you know, we've all got a, a backstory and uh, I love to say, you know, everyone's got a story, you just ask, got to ask a couple of questions and it's amazing what you find out about people and hopefully for people listening too, uh, that will encourage them because, you know, the truth is that sometimes we can get discouraged when we see other people's journeys and it's been radical and there's just been this instant transformation or freedom or whatever and yet the the truth is for probably 95 percent of us it's just been a there's been a moment and then it's been a slow journey that you know as they say the salvation is instantaneous the transformation takes a lifetime and uh, you know i think that's often the case before we run to a quick break for the the first part of the show paul just tell us a bit quickly about how you ended up at youth for christ and then we'll come back in the second part of the show and talk about the course where you guys are about to launch but how was your journey then from from that point that you just finished in the story to then, hey, I'm now at Youth for Christ and, hey, now we're releasing this course for kids. Yes. Yeah, sure. So my life, um, I follow Jesus and I pray every day, Lord, do with my life whatever you want, probably like many of us. The dangerous I, prayer to pray, but yeah, it's, it's <laughs> dangerous. <laughs> and God, I believe God knows that I'll do it. You know, I've, I've gone through the testing. You know, leaving leaving behind a career in medicine was a big 
turning point sure. uh, bait. So I think he, I think he knows that I'll do what he asks. And um, yeah, so I got a tap on the shoulder from Cindy and, and someone else at Youth for Christ, saying, "Would you consider this?" And look, I'm a, I lead a youth ministry and children's ministry, and I teach scripture in high schools. So my my schedule is pretty full. Um, but I prayed about it and I felt that I got the yes from the Lord. So I said, I'll do it. But, you know, I don't have a, I don't have many days a week to give to this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I said, but what I can do is I'll, I'll help scale it. So I won't be the guy because I didn't, I didn't create the program. It was uh, Laura Pinter, amazing woman of God, uh, came up with this years ago. It was slightly different then. It was sort of um, going into individual schools and, and bringing this message of you can change culture. Uh, but for me, I said, look, I'm not going to be the guy to run around to every school, but I will make it available and uh, and I'll make a video series and I'll work with experts because that way, uh, first of all, it can go into every school. It's, you know, you can multiply this. And uh, but more than that, I often have a heart for the, you know, the, the little country church and their youth minister is 65 and a retiree and a part-time, you know, like there's... I can have this conversation pretty easily because I'm in youth and I do it all the time, but it's not easy for everyone to have these sort of conversations. And truly, this course, this isn't the this this isn't the salvation for all. This is a, it's, a, it's something that will start a conversation that hopefully becomes a lifelong conversation. And we just break the ice a little bit into that and share some share some facts from some relevant experts and some stories about the power of God and uh, that will allow people to gain hope again. Mm. And to take this, you know, to take this as the fight for our, the fight of our age, the fight of our day. And it's our, it's not just our privilege, it's our responsibility to raise people to, to, to overcome in the Lord Jesus. So that's why I do what I do. Yeah, that's cool. So we are talking about the What's Normal course that's just been released by Youth for Christ Australia. And the director, Paul Bedwell, is our special guest on the show this week. We're going to come back and explore the course in the second part of the show, so stay tuned. In the meantime, just going to throw a couple of websites at you. There's uh, yfc.org.au forward slash what's underscore normal. Let me repeat that for you, yfc.org.au forward slash what's underscore normal. If you want to have a quick squiz around there, and just familiarise yourself before we come back into the show and explore this some more. And of course, our website, MomentumAustralia.org, as we go to a break. And we'll be back with Paul from Youth for Christ on the second part of the show in just a tick. Stay tuned. This is Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. All right, well, welcome back to Momentum. Thanks for hanging around, by the way, and rejoining us. Our special guest this week is Paul Bedwell. He's the director for What's Normal, which is a brand new course that Youth for Christ have just released, and it's helping kids uh, educate and be aware of the dangers of pornography. So, Paul, before we launch about uh, into the course and what that's about, let's, I suppose, look at some of the stats and look at the, the bigger picture and go, how much of a problem is this? for the youth of Australia in today. What are the current stats or thereabouts? What are some of the figures that we're looking at? Sure. Yeah, Tim, I, it's honestly one of these things I wish I never had to talk about. Uh, probably mm-hmm. we all feel the same. Uh, it's distressing for adults. It's particularly distressing 
with young kids and uh, behind the statistics, you just think about this for a moment. I'll, I'll talk the stats in a moment, but just think this through. Just think of a, a 12-year-old where your brain's at in relation to learning, what you're picking up, what key relationships you're identifying uh, identifying and figuring out, how your brain's being formed for how you're going to manage the relationships with people, the opposite sex, the same sex, for the rest of your life. And picture your ability to control impulses, your hormones at that age, put all that together and then imagine sitting uh, in your bedroom with an iPhone and no internet filter. Mm. As times like this, I honestly thank God. I was saying this before, I thank God that I did not uh, walk through life as a teenager with an iPhone, with a phone in my hand. Mm. And, uh, and then you picture what it would be like, even just because the statistics are what they are, but just as a, as a mental picture, what's it like for a 13-year-old to watch violent and degrading uh, sexual, essentially sexual violence in 80 or 90% of pornography. What are they learning about women? What are they learning about their role as men? What are they learning about manhood? What are they learning about love and respect? What are they learning about consent? Mm. Yes. Uh, One child watching, one 12-year-old watching pornography is heartbreaking. Yeah. A 2017 study of Australian and New Zealand, uh, sorry, of Australians published in the uh, Public Health Journal of Australia and New Zealand uh, found that 87%, nearly 90% of 15 to 29-year-olds have viewed pornography and the median age for males first looking at it was 13. This is back in 2017. Uh, it's highly likely that upwards of 90, 95% of 11 and 12-year-old boys in this country have access pornography. Girls are uh, behind, but not too far behind. It's a real issue. The median age for girls in this study was 16. It's probably much, uh, much younger than that now. And it's most of the access, do you think, from like a parent has an iPhone and they you know, for whatever reason, they watch pornography on their iPhone and then he set it down, the kid picks it up and comes across it. Is that the normal way that kids get access to it or is it just by browsing stuff? Yeah, I don't have data, but I do have my experience. I'm with young people all the time. Uh, most year sixes will get their first smartphone. Uh, most of them are savvy enough to, or many of them, maybe not most, many are savvy enough to work around work around um, blockers, uh, um, and parental consent controls. And aside from that, it's very easy to have a friend just come and show you something when everyone's got a phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to mention if they're not, if it's not a phone, they're on an iPad. Most kids are on an iPad since about the age of five or six. Mm-hmm. So with the power of a friend that comes along, with the power of um, often it's some of the ads, what we see a lot, a pathway in, is that the ads uh, that pop up, in video games, in games on an iPhone or an or a, uh, Android phone, um, these things pop up and they're quite suggestive. And they lead people, the common story we hear, they lead people down a slippery slope. So many people say, I was just looking at Instagram and now it's TikTok. Uh, I was on TikTok or Instagram and I saw this ad and it had a link and I clicked the link. So there's many funnels into this. It's very simple, and it's why we're seeing the numbers that we're seeing. And it's not accidental. Uh, it's a marketing strategy. There are multi-billion dollar companies uh, targeting their marketing. I, I could tell you some really disturbing stuff. 
uh, yeah, the trending on Pornhub in uh, September last year was watch what's going on at schoolies in Australia. Number one trending topic on Pornhub. Why? Because the challenge at schoolies was to make a sex tape and post it onto Pornhub. That's the schoolies challenge of our day and age. Wow. Wow. And to, to, to bounce off the back of the, the name of the course, What's Normal, I, I suppose for kids these days with iPhones, in I mean, it, it's just considered normal that yeah, yeah. most, certainly guys, um, would be looking at porn to some degree. Yeah, not only normalised uh, by your peers, we hear reports of school PDHPE people telling their students that porn is just a normal part of exploring sexuality as a teenager. Wow. Right. Why? Because the teachers themselves are watching, so how can they say that it's not right? Yeah. Public schools, PET, PE classes, I know it's not in the curriculum, but we hear reports all the time if that's what's being taught in public schools. Wow. There was a video that you guys sent through uh, in preparation for this interview, and I just want to quickly read through some of the stats. Now, there was a, a guy and a girl telling stories, which ended up being their story. Um, mm-hmm. But some of the things that I jotted down from that, and that was, and we talked about this, half of guys and a third of girls first viewed pornography before their teenage years. It creates an alternate reality about women and sex. And it can also, for guys, uh, mean that, a no from a woman actually can mean yes. Um, it leaves men particularly feeling ashamed, lonely, powerless to stop watching pornography. An addiction to porn is almost identical to an, an addiction to heroin. Young men and women's brains are being permanently damaged by watching pornography, not only for the sexually explicit and violent nature of it, but because it's an addiction it sets up a brain that is incapable of experiencing pleasure from normal life. The only experience of pleasure that a person addicted to pornography can get is the ever-increasing demand for more, for more risque, for more problematic. You can see where that goes. You've heard the anecdotes of serial killers saying, Mm. I got stuck into pornography early, and that's even leaving that to one side. Anhedonia is the medical term for the inability to experience pleasure. Young people whose brains are getting wired by porn for that ultimate hit. You think about what sex was originally designed for. It wasn't meant to be all the time. It was a very climactic moment after a long period of waiting. And if you, you know, if your dating life looked like mine when I was younger, a very long period. <laughs> right? But it wasn't meant to be instantaneous. Not 12 year olds having this climatic mm. lunar park experience. That's what Dr. Alan Chalmers, uh, sorry, Dr. Alan Meyer calls it. Mm. A lunar park experience. We weren't made for lunar park. We were made for the garden. And people are having these experiences and all of a sudden everything else in life looks completely dull and great. Anhedonia, they can't experience pleasure. Brains getting damaged because they can't experience pleasure in anything else. Then take relationships. Men who, who are addicted and watch pornography cannot, the data is revealing, cannot maintain healthy relationships. They can't perform sexually because the real woman right in front of them has looks nothing like and will do nothing of the things that they've grown up watching. So they have no ability to maintain sexual function. But more than that, they're in, unable to conceive of, the, of someone who they're sexually attracted to as a human. 
You think about how necessary that is to building a relationship. You need to know that you're dealing with a real human with real needs and real feelings. The men who are hooked on porn can't find a real woman and can't maintain a relationship with one because what they've grown up on. Anhedonia, depression, increases in suicide, increases in domestic violence, increases in uh, just general aggression, sexual aggression. People are unable to de-link aggression from sex. Think about that for a moment. Mm. They can't separate violence from sex. What does that tell their future wife or husband? Mm. How are they going to sustain a marriage? How are they going to sustain a long-term relationship? Of course, there's the societal effects, and this is where politicians are involved. The pornography industry almost now single-handedly fuels the demand for child sex trafficking or prostitution. People are sold into sex slavery. It is filmed and sold to the internet, and the person consuming pornography has no idea whether the person in the video is consensually doing what they're doing or they are a sex slave who's been sold into it. They have no idea if they're over 18 or under 18. They have no idea. Yeah. I mean, we've taken a very real, honest look at pornography at large. And I mean, those stats, Paul, that you, you, you're putting there about some of the damages, I mean, that's that's real life, right? This is, the, this is the challenge. And these are, sadly, some of the stories, more commonly now stories that we are hearing. And this is why... This course that you guys are promoting and have just released is so, so important. We haven't actually got to the course this show. So what we're going to do is paint a brighter picture next week yes. and come and look at some of the solutions that this there course is hope. Let me tell you, there is absolutely kids. hope. Some of the hope that is in this course, it's the What's Normal program <laughs> yes. and it's by Youth for Christ. It's just been released. Let me give you the website. And again, you can check that out. And if you have young kids, um, perhaps this is uh, you know a website I don't know that you can explore together, have a conversation around if it's appropriate to do so. But certainly we as parents need to be on the front foot here and not on the back foot. Um, yfc.org.au forward slash what's underscore normal. yfc.org.au forward slash what's underscore normal. Or if you go to the Youth for Christ website, just yfc.org.au, you'll find the link there. And of course, check out momentumaustralia.org. We'll have links there too. And we're going to come back next week and chat with the director of What's Normal, Paul, Paul Bedwell. It is an absolutely encouraging course and it is absolutely necessary for such a time as this educating our young kids on the dangers of pornography and of course posing the question what is normal is this really what is normal and should we stay there we're going to come and explore that next week with paul paul it's been great to have you on the show this week man we're looking forward to sticking back into this next week right here on momentum man thanks for your time such a privilege thanks guys you've been listening to momentum a show that helps men succeed in life For more information or to hear this week's show again, go to MomentumAustralia.org. You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org. Until next time, keep moving forward with Momentum.